welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Clean Technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Clean Tech Talk. I'm your host, Joe Boris. I'm here with Charles Spence from RGE and Joseph Vallone from EV Energy. Welcome, guys. Hello, sir. Thank you for having us. Yeah, of course. So Joseph Vallone, you're you're with EV Energy and you and I met obviously through our mutual friend, Robin, but you got, your guys are doing some really cool stuff. You have, if I'm going to say this correctly, it's essentially an app that enables people who own EVs and charge EVs at home to minimize their impact on the grid and maximize their savings by kind of keeping the car charging on off-peak hours. That's a real, real kind of broad statement. Can you give us a a little more detail on that? Yeah, absolutely. So EV Energy is actually more than an app or a software platform. And what we do is connect to electric vehicles and electric vehicle chargers, both in the residential space, but also in the commercial space for, for fleets as well. And, you know, our, our mission really is to sort of integrate those EVs into power grids across America and across the world. Now, everyone knows uh, EV adoption is, is really taking off. I, I don't think you can really sort of see a picture of Joe Biden these days when he's not in an F-150 uh, you know, Lightning. We've had a lot of uh, congressional uh, legislation that's been passed, uh, really focused on driving EV adoption. And we are well on our way to 5 million EVs on the road in America by the middle of this decade. The maybe the challenge around that, or one of the challenges around that, is EVs consume a lot of electricity. Uh, as a matter of fact, the average EV consumes about as much power as the average American home. So imagine, you know, sort of the, the future when every home in America has got an EV in its driveway, at least one EV, right? That's, that's akin to sort of doubling the number of homes in America. And our power grid was not built to su- support that kind of demand. And unless that demand is optimized in an intelligent way, in a grid-friendly way, then you know utilities like Avangrid uh, are going to face some challenges in maintaining network reliability and stability, which is their core mission, right? As, as utilities and public service providers. So what EV really, EV energy really is, is the connective tissue between electric vehicles and chargers and power grids and, and utilities like Alvin Grid. And the, uh, the way that we kind of perform our service uh, is we use the embedded internet connection that's just in a lot of electric vehicles and EV chargers anyway. So, you know, I drive a Tesla, you know, that's got a little SIM card in it. It's actually powered by AT&T and that powers, you know, the, the navigation system. Uh, I can stream, you know, songs on Spotify. It's great when I'm charging as well. I can watch a Netflix show and a lot of cars have that. Maybe not the Netflix part, but, you know, Chevrolet, for example, has got the OnStar platform. Everyone knows OnStar that's been around for, for over 20 years now. And that's just an internet connection. And that allows us to, you know, connect to the, the EV without any extra hardware 
you know, sort of understand uh, whether it's plugged in and charging or not, where it's plugged in and charging, and then to sort of uh, send commands to the, the electric vehicle, uh, you know, either to charge, maybe slow down charging, pause charging temporarily if the grid is overloaded. And we can do the same thing with a lot of EV chargers that either connect to home Wi-Fi or the ones kind of out in, in the fields, maybe in fleet depots that have also sort of got SIM cards in them that give them the internet connection. And so uh, I, I, I got to cut you off here just, just real quick, because like before the show, we were talking about what we were going to talk about today and kind of going over the, the, the discussion. And I said, man, I really wish we'd recorded our first conversation where we first met because like you did such a great job explaining. You said, oh, no, I, I have that conversation like six times a day. I can do it. And like that's almost word for word. Like that's incredible. <laughs> Like, you know, if, if you just want to talk about someone who knows attention to detail and who like really understands the space that they're in, I mean, that, that was like an incredible performance that I don't think anybody really fully appreciates how good that was as far as like getting the, the information out there. I, it was a very dense thing, but I mean, like you really, you really, I think nailed that for for what that's worth and we can we can edit out the padding on the back but like it was really kind of amazing to hear but you know we we went very quickly over this idea that you're more than an app and you're really a software platform and in looking at your at the ev energy website there is some stuff there where you can see there's one screen on almost on the desktop that shows a bunch of chargers and where they're at and where they're located. That doesn't seem like a consumer screen. Like I don't have 15 chargers and 16 different cars connected to them. Is that what you're referring to when you say that it's it's a fleet management thing or is that what the utility company sees on their side or, or the, uh, the charging provider sees on their side? That's a great question. Yeah, and so we actually, we started out as a consumer-oriented business. We actually launched in the United Kingdom, which has got a competitive retail market where electricity retailers are competing over customers, especially EV customers, because they consume a lot of electricity and therefore they can make more money off of them. And so we started off with this app for drivers and that is still a core part of our product. Uh, we have 100,000 EV drivers across the world who use that app every day to charge. But we we've sort of expanded now into uh, sort of you know non-residential EV charging as well because we see a lot of fleets across America and across the world that are electrifying. Amazon right is electrifying their delivery vans with Rivian. Enterprise and Avis right have announced that they are going to be electrifying their fleets. Gosh, even Domino's announced that their their delivery their delivery cars are going to be electric as well. Yeah, uh, not around me. Probably not around me. I'm in the middle of nowhere, but <laughs> well, you know, pretty, pretty soon, Charles, like that's, you know, you're, you're going to order a Domino's pizza and, and a Chevy Bolt is going to show up and, and drive it, uh, drive it to your house. And, and, you know, really, if we want to solve this problem for the country and we want to enable America's transition to a net zero future, we can't leave fleets out of the, uh, out of the right. equation. And so, you know, that's kind of desktop thing that you're referring to is absolutely that is is our interface for fleet managers, right, who are often, uh, you know, kind of managing dozens or hundreds of electric vehicles and you know can't do that in an app. It's just, they need to be able to do that on their laptop, as well as landlords who want to install, you know, a bunch of chargers maybe in their parking lot, you know, of a, of a condo building, an apartment building. We call these multi-unit dwellings, right? And so it's slightly different where 
you know, you'll have a single entity like a landlord or a management company that needs to be able to sort of view and control, you know, a few or if not dozens of, of EV chargers and, and make sure that those are sort of uh, being grid friendly and that if their local utility offers some sort of, you know, incentive or rebate for doing grid friendly charging, that they, that money is going back into their wallets. Yeah. And, and it's all really interesting stuff, right? Because these things, when we talk about multi-unit dwelling, when we talk about commercial fleets and company fleets, all of that matters, right? Because all of that kind of speaks to not only the the demand, but the the demand on the grid too. So, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll direct this to Charles. Charles, we've been, we've been kind of stealing the show from you a little bit, but you know, first, give us an idea, give the listeners an idea of who you are, what you do, so that we can kind of have a sense of how you know the answers to these questions, Fair which enough. I'm sure yeah. you do. But the question that I'm going to ask is, to Joseph's point, you know, when you have all of this extra electrical capacity in the form of EV batteries, and people are, you know, essentially home people who are doing home charging are all charging more or less the same time at night. And fleets who have nine to five kind of operation are now plugging in at night and school bus operators and, you know, maintenance trucks and things like that are now plugging in at night. Does that mean effectively that off peak hours aren't off peak anymore? No, that's a, that's a really good way to pose that question. And I'm a professional. (laughs) Very, you're very, you know what you're talking about. Yep. So I'll definitely get into that. And I think Joseph's discussion so far is a great lead in because what we have to do as a utility is maximize that customer experience and not interrupt the real use of that EV on a day-to-day basis, whoever's using the EV, whether it's a fleet, an MUD resident, or just an average single family resident, we have to make sure as a utility, if we're gonna drive better outcomes for ourselves. It cannot come at the expense of the customer's experience. So Joseph's entire discussion so far leads really well into it because his platform is and the platform that his team has developed is it does exactly that. So for a quick intro of, of myself and and within the context of the Avon Grid company I work for. So Charles Spence, I manage manage charging programs for for Avon Grid. You had mentioned RG&E. RG&E is one of our operating companies that we oversee and that are implementing these programs. But we we have several operating companies in different states as Avon Grid. And Joseph has been helping us in our Connecticut program. But we're, over the next year or so, going to be putting out programs in, in New York as well. So that's where the Rochester, uh, RG&E, Rochester Gas and Electric, comes from. In terms of the goal of these programs... You had mentioned Joe about kind of the the time of day and the and the the value of that on off peak period, and Joseph had mentioned the fact that there's obviously with these EVs there's a huge amount of new potential volume that's coming on. So the issue for us as utilities is not just the volume and it's not just the timing; it's that overlap between a huge amount of new electricity coming on at very specific times of day that are difficult for utilities already. So when we are, are you referring about- to like fossil fuel stuff versus solar, like for someone who's not in the energy space, can, can you explain why the energy sure. coming in at a different time of day matters? Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. Let's that's, it's a good opportunity to just 
it's it's an easy thing to forget when you're not in the utility space like myself or Joseph is that the energy used, it's not just, you know, it's not just averaged at the end of the day. It has to be used instantaneously at, at the point of generation. So yes, the issue with the peak has to do with all sorts of things. It can, it can be, you know, generally peak is on a day-to-day basis. It's near the end of the day when people come home from work. It's just a lot of demand happening all at once because the energy has to be used the moment that it's created. So you have the issue where you have everyone coming home and now everyone's coming home and plugging in their vehicle. Whereas before they were just coming home, watching maybe a TV or having the heat come on and all, all these different things that can really drive higher usage. You know what? Heat is probably not the issue. It's cooling. That's really the issue. So in the summer, you have these moments where, you know, you have everyone coming in at the end of the day, hot summer day, the sun is going down. So the solar is really coming offline. Maybe there's some wind happening, but it's, it's not as uh, predictable as, as the sun is, but you know, at the end of a day, when the sun's going down, everyone's plugging in, there's going to be a drop off in solar and there's going to have to be a, it's, like it's a going to have to come from somewhere, whether it comes from gas or coal or what it depends on where you are. But the issue there becomes how expensive is that gas to purchase at that moment? And so when you have EVs that you can just say, let's pause that charging for a little bit. Let us use our normal gas system, our coal, whatever it is, wherever you happen to be. Let those things run their course until the peak comes down. And then we use Joseph's great platform to be able to restart that charging at that moment that the the peak is really starting to come down. Well, right. Because he's got his app is running on hundreds and hundreds of chargers and thousands and thousands of EVs. So you're using that data. If, if I'm understanding correctly, you're using that data, not only to predict when you're going to need to make these moves so that you don't have interruption to the grid and don't have interruption to the customers, but you're also using the intelligence that's built into that charging to manage that demand so that somebody doesn't lose heat or lose refrigerator or rather lose refrigeration or something like that. Or, or, you know, somebody's, you know, you don't unplug grandma accidentally because you're, <laughs> you're trying to overcharge the grid. Right. So, so I, I, I see it, I see this like ecosystem here. So, you know, obviously that, that does kind of speak to a very common concern. One thing that everybody kind of says when you talk about apps and this kind of two-way connectivity is, you know, data security. Like now, you know, now, you know, when I'm plugged in here, you know, where I'm plugged in there and you have kind of all this data of my movements. Is that something that like I should be concerned about? Yes. I think that's a really fair concern, you know, certainly in, in participating in these kinds of what we call managed charging programs in the, in the utility industry, the driver is sharing certain data with EV energy, some of which we pass on to the utility like off and grid. And so, you know, that, that, that information includes, you know, the, the make and model and battery size of, of the vehicle, you know, that they're, that they're driving or maybe the, the manufacturer of the charger that they're using. We, we do ask for the vehicle's location as well, whenever it's sort of plugged in. Reason being is that 
we don't want to mess with anyone's charging if they're you know sort of charging on the side of a highway at a supercharger on a road trip right there you can't delay you can't do do what sort of charles was explaining before which is like you know wait till the peak goes down and maybe we're getting some nice hydropower from from the border with canada people just need to charge immediately so we need to know the vehicle's location and of course, we'll, we have to we have to know the vehicle's battery level as well, so that we're we're able to sort of very accurately and intelligently predict exactly how much charge is needed, and then sort of schedule that for the best times. Now, uh, none of that is, is is really sort of particularly sensitive information, you know, apart from the vehicle's location. And what we pass on to the utility for for kind of their predictive analytics and, and planning that they do on their end is aggregated anonymized data. Uh, so Charles does not see that, okay, Joseph uh, is plugged in at home at this address, you know, in New York. And, you know, actually he's, he's listening to Taylor Swift on Spotify and his Tesla. And, uh, you know, actually he just, uh, he just drove to the synagogue, right? We don't, we don't share that kind of stuff. With why, the why are we abusing T-Swift, man? What's up with that? Oh, no, no, no abuse at all. I mean, that's, we that's just what it's actually playing in my... I, my I was like, I, I can see your hair. I know you listen to Harry Styles. Come on. <laughs> we can have a separate podcast about that. <laughs> Absolutely. All Joseph's favorite uh, artists. And so, and so, yeah, so that, that, that kind of, kind of the way that that data works. Now, look, for sure, we have encountered EV drivers who just aren't comfortable sharing that information with us. And that's fine. You know, that's their choice. Ultimately, what we've designed a product for and, 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 and programs for is for what we call the pragmatic majority. Uh, you know, these are folks who understand they're sharing a little bit of information with a third party in exchange for convenience and in exchange for financial rewards. And not everyone is going to want that. I mean, look, you know, I, I still have not been able to convince my dad to create an Amazon account and, and store his credit card information on, on Amazon.com. Uh, he, he just doesn't want to do it. And it, it doesn't matter that he's missing out on one day shipping with Prime. It doesn't matter that he's instead sort of driving to Target or Best Buy and paying way more than he would otherwise pay on Amazon. He just doesn't want to share that information. He's not comfortable. He is yeah. not part And he of doesn't realize that Target is saving that information when he swipes it or that his gas station is saving that information when he swipes it. He's just yeah. like totally oblivious to it. I love it. Look, you know, people, people, uh, you know, everyone has their own preferences. We have to respect those. Uh, and ultimately, you know, what we've seen is, you know, over 90% customer conversion into these programs. Uh, and so as long as we're getting the 90% of EVs in a certain state or, or in a certain grid onto our platform, that's good enough, right? That's going to get yeah. us to the outcome that we want and the outcome that the utility wants. Yeah. And, and, and to that end, I think, you know, Charles, he's talking about the aggregate data that you guys use. I mean, as far as the utility con is concerned, you, you don't really care about that individual data, right? Other than you want to know, you know, you want to be able to predict demand for the Taylor Swift tickets. So I think the, the, the deepest we need to know the aggregate is not on an individual level. It's actually more practical than that. It's, it's on maybe the circuit level. So if we, if we know there's a circuit or a transformer or a substation on our system that's having trouble, we would like to know, and, and EV Energy helps with this, is we would like to know, you know, how many people are connected with a Tesla at that location, or, you know, maybe not just a Tesla, any, any EV. Sure. How many EVs are connected at that station 
what's their history, what's their charging pattern like such that we can, you know, predict where things will actually need maybe an upgrade, or maybe we can provide a better curtailment schedule for those people, but it's never any deeper than that sub aggregation of the broader aggregation. And then in terms of the data that we that we have on our end. So you'll notice that Joseph is collecting the data for specific customers. The only thing we provide is the customers of ours that are enrolled in the program. We provide basic identifying information like address, you know, what's the account that we're hooking up to, you know, just so we can connect the dots. But it's it's all exchanged via private, you know, very secure transfers between our two companies, and it doesn't ever leave that kind of secure pipeline. So from a security but, perspective- I mean, like the yeah. utility already knows, like the utility already knows my address. I get a bill. Like it's yes. not information yep. they don't already have. They're just Correct. using yep. it to say like, okay, this is your account. And then we benefit from that. Like if we're a customer- an avant-grid customer, we benefit from that in the form of lower bills and I'm sure other incentives as well. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's not always like the lower bill is one thing, but it's, it's uh, we, we provide incentives on an ongoing basis for performing well in managed charging. So say, you know, that it, it differs how we incentivize based on the, the state and the operating company within and, you know, which state, some states are more, prescriptive with how we incentivize things like that. But generally, you know, if someone is participating in our basic program in Connecticut, for example, with Joseph's platform this past year, it was a demand response program where at those specific, very stressed moments on the grid, people had to basically allow us to turn off their charging. If they needed to charge, they could but we basically use that as a way to then say, hey, you did really well that month. Here's an incentive for doing so. So that's really that's really the benefit on top of the electric savings that exists. Yeah. Now yeah, we've talked. Oh, go ahead. And so I think it's really important for us to actually just go back to the financial incentives bit that that Charles was was alluding to uh, earlier, because. Uh, yeah, look, ultimately, there is a little bit of a trade-off that uh, the EV driver or fleet operator makes between you know, sharing a bit of anonymized data you know, with their utility and uh, what the utility will, will pay them uh, for, uh, for their flexibility. And so, uh, you know, what Avangrid rolled out in Connecticut this past year you know, was, was actually, I, I think, quite significant. So you know, customers got $100 upfront for uh, enrolling in the program and connecting their electric vehicle. Now, as I mentioned before, not every EV has got this internet connectivity in it. Uh, and so if uh, a customer you know, didn't have that EV connectivity, Avangrid wanted every customer to be able to participate if they wanted to. And so they did offer a $500 rebate off of a few different makes and models of uh, internet connected home charger that the, the customer could purchase. As oh, well as five hundred dollars. The car can't do it, but the charger can do but it. The charger so can. And let's, let's incentivize. And let's sure, right. Exactly. Let's make sure that everyone is able to participate if they want to, and we'll, you know, we'll we'll help you get the charger. And by the way, if you need an electrician to come and install it, we'll also sort of rebate the first five hundred dollars of those installation costs. And so this was a really, I would say, socially equitable program uh, in that you know United Illuminating, which is the name of the utility in Connecticut really sort of tried to, to allow everyone to participate. 
So, uh, you know, you're getting cash back uh, to enroll. And then, you know, Charles mentioned, you know, we, we ran these things called demand response over the summer months. Demand response is just a fancy industry term for, you know, the, the, the utility has got a lot of demand on their system, you know, typically during, you know, hot days in the summer when there's a lot of air conditioners running to, to sort of maintain the grid stability. The utility likes to sort of reduce demand where where they can without disrupting customers. And so, as we mentioned before, EVs are, are a really great way to do that. You know, what, what EV Energy sees on our platform across millions and millions of charging sessions that we've done is that on average, you know, the typical like residential EV driver is plugged in for somewhere between 12 and, and 16 hours at a time at home. But the average charging session uh, only requires about two to three hours of charge on a 240 volt outlet. So that's an insanely sort of wide window to deliver like two or three hours of charge. And so we have a lot of flexibility, you know, when the utility tells us, hey, uh, you know, the grid's a little bit overloaded right now with all this air conditioning demand. Can you just sort of pause or reduce uh, EV charging for a few hours just to make sure that the, the grid remains stable? We're able to do that with very minimal, if, if zero disruption actually to the customer. And so, you know, we did this across the summer months and, you know, customers were offered $50 for every month in which they kind of opted into, you know, these, these demand response events. So that's, you know, that, I think that's like a pretty fair payment, you know, for a customer's flexibility. And as a result, we had 99% customer participation across the summer, 99% of customers. That's huge. Opt- exactly. So uh, that, and that, by the way, then that's an incredibly reliable source of flexibility for the utility when they know that they tell EV energy to reduce EV charging demand for a few hours that 19, we're going to deliver 99% of the time. And yeah. in terms of the actual amount of electricity that we were able to curtail, it was an average of 77% across the entire summer, as high as 96% on certain days. And the reason why that's not 100% is because we always need to keep the driver's needs first. And if a driver is plugged in and uh, you know they've told us, you know, look, I need my car ready by 7 p.m. actually, because I've got to got to head out, pick up the kids or right. whatever. Got and they don't even need to tell you why. They just say no. And they just done. tell us. They, there's, there's a button in the app that says departure time set to 7 p.m. And we, we respect that no matter what. And that's completely fine. Uh, and we're able to respect that because, you know, all the other folks who are also plugged in and charging at that time, don't have those requirements necessarily. Maybe they don't need their EV charge until the next morning. Uh, and so then we're able to sort of reschedule their charging to you know the overnight hours or a better time for the grid. And so in that way, we're really able to kind of balance the the utilities needs for you know for for grid stability with the driver's needs for like reliability and and convenience. That's cool. So, you know, we talked a lot about a number of different stakeholders in this space, right? We've talked about the EV buyer. We've talked about the the manufacturers of these uh, smart home chargers that are helping to communicate with the grid. We've talked to the grid and the utility as well. You know, one thing that we haven't really talked about is, I would say, policy and the different policymakers, because right now we can talk about upgrades to the grid. We can talk about all these things. But a lot of that requires, you know, bills like the NEVI Act, like the the uh, the IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act, to really come in and incentivize these kind of upgrades. 
how is this data, and I'll, and I'll direct this to Charles, how is this data that you're getting educating those decisions and educating those policymakers mm. and helping direct that development in the right way? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. And it is, I, I think it's important to note that these sorts of programs, while they've been around for a decent amount of time, Joseph probably has like a good, like what's the first managed charging program that ever happened, but they've been around for a little while, but really you don't know until you try what what's going to work, what is the right level of incentive, what's the right incentive structure, you know, how much control is too much, how much is too little in terms of driving better outcomes for the grid. So these sorts of things, you're, you're very spot on in that we're, we have a good idea based on programs that have come in the past, but we're, we're trying to create that real solid program for the now and then looking forward to the future. So what we have to do is basically work with our regulators. We don't directly in, interact with legislation necessarily. What as a utility we deal with a lot of the time is the result of that legislation following through the re, uh, regulatory proceedings with our regulators. So the public utilities commissions or the uh, regulatory authorities. So what they do is di digest that legislation and turn it into actual things for us to do. And that, and what they tell us to do is based again on previous programs that have happened around the world, around the country, and them trying to come to what is the best thing that we can implement right now. And then along the way, we are taking the data that you had referenced, learning really, okay, you know, we, we incentivized $25 this past year. What would it do if we did 35, you know, the, those sorts of decisions about how we come to that real equilibrium. And, you know, another complexity is that depending on the location of the grid, you're going to have different programs. For example, the New York utilities that I look after are in the upstate New York area. So very rural. There's a couple urban centers like Rochester, et cetera, Binghamton, you get it. But it's nowhere near as <laughs> complex of a problem as in New York City, for example. And so the, the structure of the program has to be different. We learn about what those, those correct fits are from trial and error, and there's just no way around it. But we do have, you know, we're fortunate to work with EV Energy, and there's plenty of other really good groups in the area that have that experience to really help us hone in on the correct approach uh, for our location. And I think that's, that's about all I got. I think that's a great answer. So listen, we're coming to the end of our time commitment here. I want to say thank you to both of you guys for coming on here for anybody listening to this, who wants to learn more about EV energy or Avangrid and, and kind of maybe try to drive a similar project where they live. How do they follow along with what you're doing? How do they get in touch with you? And we'll start with Joseph and go to Charles. Yeah, so I, I would just go to the EV Energy website. It's business.ev.energy. You could learn more about our, our product or platform and fill out a form to, to get in touch with us. Perfect. And I would say Joseph has the more interesting, uh, you know, I, I'm, I just work for a utility. We provide kilowatt hours and we provide <laughs> uh, programs. So if you do want to uh, follow along, let's see. 
you know, the company is Avangrid, A-V-A-N-G-R-I-D. You can find out plenty about us, uh, the stuff that we're doing. We are part of the broader Iberdrola group, I-B-E-R-D-R-O-L-A. It's a Spanish uh, multinational utility. And we are doing all sorts of great stuff in, in kind of the, you know, cutting edge energy resource uh, deployment, all, all sorts of things. So if you, if you're interested, you can go find us. Well, find you us guys, I mean, you're downplaying it a little bit, but you guys do quite <laughs> a bit of work in terms of like offshore wind energy. And, we do uh, a lot of, of, you know, a lot of the uh, European projects are, are, are really using the work <laughs> that you guys do. So it, it's less, maybe less popular here in the States, but you know, for our, our readers and, and we actually do have quite a few readers uh, in Europe and in, in Western Europe, who they will absolutely know who you are. So again, no, thank you so much for being enough. on the show. And, and fair enough. We, we do a lot of cool stuff. You know, I don't want to, I, I think we're, I, I can't remember what rank we are. We're up there with, in terms of, you know, uh, wind and solar in terms of like total deployments and things like that. So we're up there. Uh, we're, so we, yeah. do, we do a lot of cool stuff. <laughs> I shouldn't downplay it. We do cool stuff. Yeah, very, very, very humble guys. But you know, I think that 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 speaks to uh, you know everybody here who's who's trying to advance the mission and reduce our dependence on fossil fuels and kind of make the world a better place, right? So for those of you listening along, be sure to subscribe, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, check us out on cleantechnica.com. Obviously, uh, I'm sorry, business.ev.energy. And then Avangrid, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, we'll be back uh, probably later on this week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix. If you would like to sponsor our podcast, send us an email at accounts at cleantechnica.com. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-S at cleantechnica.com. Thanks. Walk, 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 walk,